Good morning, church. Summer camp. Who went to summer camp? Raise your hand, a few of us. Good times. Yeah, church family, I encourage you to remember our youth this week as they travel to Glorietta. I pray that God would stir in their hearts um, during that week. Hey, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Revelation, headed to the, one of the last chapters of the Bible, Revelation 21. For those of you that are new to Redeemer, maybe it's your first or second time, uh, so glad that you are here. My name's Jonathan Galvan, and I'm the pastor of corporate worship, and every, every so often get a chance to open up God's Word, and, uh, and happy to do it. Um, we have just concluded a study uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, and um, next week we're kicking off a new series uh, but Jason just kind of threw the ball in my court and said, preach whatever you want to preach. And I said, all right, let's do it. And um, this morning, I want us to think about heaven. What comes to your mind when you think about heaven? I imagine that for most Christians, our concepts of heaven might be unhelpful. Yeah, I remember as a little boy, uh, the kind of vision that I have of heaven was somewhat cartoonish. I pictured a life up in the clouds. Anybody? Kind of a cloudy experience. Little uh, babies with wings floating around. Lots of harps. Anybody with me in that? Kind of vision of heaven that is kind of portrayed in movies or cartoons. I remember th thinking like heaven is this just extremely long worship service where we're just kind of all wearing robes, you know, worshiping for eternity. And if I'm honest, that doesn't sound that exciting. <laughs> you know, it's like, man, if that's what heaven is, surely there's gotta be more. I just remember thinking like, man, it sounds like kind of boring. I want to tell you there's so much more, so much more. This morning, I want us to look at a specific passage that is so helpful to help us consider heaven. What should we expect? What will it look like? What will we be doing? There is a lot of mystery about heaven, but the Bible does give us some really beautiful pictures. In October of 2020, our family brought in a little baby girl to our home by the name of Ruthie. And Ruthie was born with several medical conditions. And over the course of her less than two years of life, um, she spent about eight months of those in an ICU bed. And it just gave us the opportunity to see some of the worst kind of suffering, to see your child suffer. And church, we need such a strong 
Christian worldview to help us know how do we place this sorrow in the story of our lives, but also in the the narrative of the Bible? How do we fit all the pain and the suffering that I got to see my little girl face, how do I fit it to a theology that says I have a good God who is faithful and kind? Because the Christian worldview helps us to see that all of the brokenness that we experience, it starts in Genesis chapter 3, which is the fall of man, where man sins and disobeys God. And in, when they disobeyed God, all of the beauty of creation and the perfection of creation was lost. It was corrupted. And it affected every detail of creation. And it, it affected us, our bodies. Sin, disease, death entered the world. Last year in July, our daughter died. And that whole just season forced me to say, what has God promised us for my little girl? Helped me to think about heaven. Because see, heaven should be an incredible motivator for the church. C.S. Lewis, I think, said it so well. He says this, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade all left their marks on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other worlds that they become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. But aim at earth and you will get neither. One of the main purposes of the book of Revelation is to encourage a group of Christians that were experiencing great persecution. The book of Revelation is written during a time where emperor worship was the law of the land. These Christians were being threatened on a daily basis. And John is writing this letter to Christians to say, there's hope. Hang in there. All of your suffering, all of your trials that you are experiencing, don't give up. There is something magnificent that is promised to those who are in Christ. So before we read our passage for this morning, Revelations 21, verses 1 through 6, I want us to try to put ourselves in 
the shoes of those who would have heard this letter at that time. Imagine that your life is being threatened because of your faith in Christ. These are uncertain times. Death is all around you. You are afraid. Let's sit in where they would have been seated. And let's read. This is Revelation 21, beginning at verse 1. John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. We bow your head, let's pray. Oh God, thank you for your word. Lord, how your word corrects us, it admonishes us, it teaches us, but it also encourages us. Lord, I look at my notes and they are so weak. And so, Lord, I pray you would move our hearts this morning. Open our eyes to see beautiful things from your word. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. His people said, this is few verses that we've just read. Paint a beautiful picture for us. I want to point out four pictures that we see about heaven in this passage. The first picture is a picture of renovation. Direct your attention at verse 1 of chapter 21. John is seeing this amazing vision of a, a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. These words should ring a bell in the hearts and mind of the Christian. They should sound familiar. Here we are at the very end of the canon of scripture. Revelations 21, John is seeing a new heaven and a new earth and it should sound a lot like Genesis chapter one. How does the story begin? It begins within the beginning, what? God. 
He created the heavens and the earth. And what we see at the end in Revelation, what is to come is God is recreating the material world. God is going to one day completely restore and renovate this earth that we know it now. It's a mystery of how exactly that's supposed to take place, but we get this vision that it is new, it is being redeemed, it is being restored. And this thing that I want us to see is that this is very much a physical place. As solid as the ground beneath your feet, give yourself a slap on the hand, will you? As real as that is, that is as real as the new heaven and the new earth. There will be glorious beauties to see. We will explore this new heaven and this new earth. I just want you just to take a moment and consider the beauty of our world now. Just consider creation. I was with a group of, of friends last night and they were asking, man, what are the things you, you love about Midland? And uh, one of the things that came up was the beauty of the sunsets here in Midland. West Texas, right? Man, the beauty of the sunrise. Consider the beauty and majesty of the mountains. How glorious it is. The snow. Just beauty all around us. I remember as a 14 or 15 year old boy, my basketball team was having a competition in Arizona. And on the way back from our, our tournament, we were gonna stop at the Grand Canyon. And as probably most 14 and 15 year olds can kind of be punks, you know, I, uh, I was just rolling my eyes about that. I don't, I don't wanna go to the Grand Canyon. I don't wanna go see a hole in the ground. I'd never seen it. I, I've seen pictures. What a waste of time, you know? And I remember that little 14, 15 year old boy seeing the Grand Canyon for the first time and just being blown away at just how great it is, how beautiful it was. If you consider the beauty that we see on this earth now, imagine the beauty of a new heaven and new earth, a place that's been fully restored, fully redeemed. I don't think there's gonna be haboobs in the new heaven and the new earth. I think that's a product of the fall, that's just speculation. But this is a physical place. I want, I want to show you some passages just so you could visualize this. Consider, we have it on the screen, Genesis chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, as we see the Garden of Eden being described. You, you get this physical imagery. Listen to this. A river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is the Pishon, 
It is the one that flowed around the whole land of Havilah where there is gold. You get this imagery of this is a real place. This is a real garden. It's a real place in history. But I want you to look, consider the new heaven and the, earth, the new earth in Revelation 22 verses 1 through 2. Listen how this place is described. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the streets of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. You see a very similar description. This is a real place. We need to, to lose this idea of heaven, heaven being this cloud-like place where you're just gonna be playing harp all day and you know singing in the choir. No, heaven will be physical and spiritual reality. We see images of a resurrected body in Jesus. Jesus appeared to his disciples in this resurrected form, which that same resurrected form is promised to all who are in Christ. I was cracking up this morning as I was just kind of reading through these, these stories. One of my favorites is after Jesus had been crucified, he rose again. There are two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Remember the story? You gotta go look at it if you haven't, Luke 24. There's two disciples and Jesus begins to walk with them. And uh, he eats with them and they didn't recognize him at first, but when he broke the bread, it immediately clicked. Oh my goodness, this is Jesus. And Jesus vanished from them. Those two disciples who were on the road to Emmaus, they run back to Jerusalem to tell the other 11 disciples, hey, we saw the resurrected Jesus. And as they were talking, Jesus appeared in the room with them. And I, I'm just trying to imagine that scene. The disciples are, are talking with each other. They're like, we saw him. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is standing there. And it says that they were startled. Can you imagine? You think somebody who has died and now here he is in physical form. Of course, you'd be startled. And look at what Luke, Luke 24, 39 tells us. Jesus tells them, touch me. And see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. That is a physical body. Hey, touch me. I'm here. I'm not just a spirit. This is, I'm a physical body right before you. And what happens next is even just, even just better example. Jesus is like, I'm hungry. And so they, they bake a fish and he eats a fish in their presence. This is the resurrected savior who is eating. What's fascinating just about the whole thing, it's a mystery how this is supposed to work, but Jesus is physical, but yet he also just appeared, it's what, it, what seems like appeared in the room with them. Maybe walked through walls, I don't know. Everything that you love about this world, it won't be erased. 
but it will be renewed. It will be pure in heaven. Can you imagine that place? If you're with me in Revelation 21, let's consider verses 24 through 27. This is fascinating. Revelation 21 verses 24 through 27, describing this new heaven and new earth, the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and its gates will never be shut by day or there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will enter it. Nor anyone who does what is detestable or false. I imagine that every single one of you in this building have a set of keys. Yeah, you got some keys? Anybody? Talk to me. Anybody? A few of you? You got your car keys and you got your house key. How many of you lock your doors at night? Yeah, I imagine the majority of you. I know there's some weird places in Texas where like people are like, we never lock the doors. I'm not from there. <laughs> Why do you lock your door at night? Why do you lock your car when you're at the grocery store? You know why you do that? Because you live in a broken world. And there's sin all around, but not in this place. Can you imagine a world without sin? A world without temptation? A world without brokenness? We see a powerful picture of a new heaven and a new earth that is completely renovated. The second picture I want us to see is a picture of reconciliation. Let's look at verse three of Revelation 21. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Do you see it? The relationship between God and man will, will be fully restored. Genesis 3, the fall of man where man disobeyed, it completely ruined the relationship that man had with God. What was the result of Adam and Eve's sin is a change in the accessibility they had to God. They lost the relationship. They were kicked out of the garden. But not only was their relationship with God impacted as a result of sin, but all other relationships were impacted. Just consider the relationship that they had with themselves. Can you imagine the garden was a place, perfect place without sin, and yet sin corrupted it. The first thing you see is they become afraid. They realize their nakedness, they become insecure. 
Shame and guilt quickly follow. Sin not only affected the relationship that men and, men and women had with God, but it affected the relationship we have with our own selves. The lies we believe about ourselves. The lies we believe that other people think about ourselves. Then it affected husband against hus- man, a husband against woman. Affected children. And what we see in Revelation 21, we almost get the sense that heaven will be romantic. Look at verse 3. John is seeing this image. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. that should immediately signal us of the the imagery of a wedding throughout the New Testament, throughout the scriptures. It reminds us of this picture of Christ as the groom and the church as the bride. You see this romantic imagery as, as this is culminating, this wedding is taking place as the bride is being united to the groom. I want you to imagine this scene for us. I want you to picture a wedding. There you are, all dressed up. Guys, you tucked in your shirt. You didn't really want to, but you did it. Maybe you're wearing a tie. And the person officiating the wedding, you know, he he says stand because the bride is coming down the aisle. And what do you do in that moment for most of us? You look at the bride, but where's the other place you really go look? Who said it? The groom. Raise your hand if you ever, you do that at a wedding. I mean, you're looking between them. You're like, look at the bride. What's he doing? Oh, he's crying. Oh, this is great. I want you to imagine that wedding. You were there and before the wedding, you see the groom. You know, you give him a high five, man, you're getting married today. He's like, are you, he, and, and you ask him, aren't you so excited to be married with this lady? He's like, yeah, kind of indifferent about it. Can you imagine that? All the wives just got really upset right now. Like, this this illustration is the worst, but follow me. He's like, yeah, kind of seems indifferent towards his bride. Like, are you excited? He's like, man, I'm not really too excited about the bride, but man, there's going to be a chocolate cake at the reception. I'm so pumped for that. That Wouldn't that just be a, such an absurd situation? Such a backwards thing? But we could be, easily do the same thing with heaven. We could become so amazed by the beauty of heaven that we lose, what's the whole point of it? The beauty of heaven is we get to dwell with God. That is the beauty of heaven, is we get to be with him. This is picture of reconciliation, what was lost in the garden, the intimacy, the fellowship, the the communion that Adam and Eve had with God, absent of sin. 
is now finally being restored. The beauty of heaven is not all the wonderful things because yes, it will be wonderful. But what is most amazing is that we get to be with our wonderful God and dwell with him for eternity. The third picture is a picture of redemption. Look at verse four. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And all week I just, I've been just thinking about those words, the former things have passed away. Sin corrupted the world. It affected us all. Everything that has ever made you sad in this life, everything that has broken your heart, everything that made you feel shame or pain, everything that made you weep, God will put an end to it. You see this imagery of a loving father, he will wipe away every tear from your eyes. There are so many things that cause pain, that cause grief. We see brokenness all around us. We see the impact of sin everywhere. Just this weekend, I get three or four Amber Alerts this weekend. Every time I get those, my heart just breaks. Like the world is so broken. We see the way sin impacts relationships. We also see the fall in disease and death. But what we see in this new heaven and new earth is redemption. Christ will put an end to all suffering. No more mourning, no more crying, no more pain and death. Death will be no more. Death is the final enemy that will be destroyed. Because church, God will not only redeem our spirits, but God will also redeem our bodies. In the same way that the world will be renewed, I love that we just saying is, is all creation groaning? Yes, it's groaning. And yet one day God is gonna redeem the whole creation. <clears throat> but our bodies will also be redeemed. We will receive resurrected or glorified bodies. And Paul gives two pictures of this. I want us to see them, Romans 8, 
verse 11, listen to this, to this resurrected body. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. This is something that will occur. Paul says it differently in 1 Corinthians. He's talking about a resurrected body and he says this, speaking as if it were a seed. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown, the seed of ours is, is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. Paul says that these resurrected bodies, they will be imperishable. They will not grow weary, they will not fade. You know, I'm getting to the age, it's sad to admit it, where I'm looking at my fonts and it's like, Ugh. I remember my dad told me this would happen. I, need, I think I need bigger letters in my Bible because my body is perishable. Each of us in the room, man, after 25, it's like it's downhill. You know, in so many ways. But in heaven, it will all change. My daughter, Ruthie, I saw the consequences of the fall all over her body, her brokenness. She couldn't oxygenate her blood. But I'm confident of this. Someday I'll, I'll see her again. She won't need oxygen. because she'll be fully restored. And church, man, we get it. That should motivate us. A picture of renovation to this world. A picture of reconciliation. We get to be with God for eternity. A picture of redemption. All wrongs made right. No sin. And the final picture is this. A picture of a redeemer. Verse 6, listen to this. He who's on the throne, he says, it is done. He's finished it. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end to the thirsty. I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. It's an invitation.
The same writer, John, we read in the Gospel of John, he tells the crowd, Jesus, he tells the crowd, whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He is the one who could satisfy the longings of our hearts. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Come to him. Christ accomplished what we could not accomplish. He lived a perfect life. He died the death that we deserve for our sins. And the scripture is clear. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Believe in what Christ has done. And it's an invitation for us to come. Come you who are hungry. Come you who are thirsty. Drink without cost. He bore the cost. Come. Let's pray. Lord, we, we are filled with hope this morning as we consider the reality of heaven that is promised to those who belong to you. Those who have repented of their sins and and by faith received you, believed you as a savior who paid for our sins, God. We thank you. I pray, Lord, would you stir our hearts to be a people that think of heaven often, that long for heaven, long for full redemption, God. I pray you would stir our hearts, Lord. I pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Church. If you want to connect with us at Redeemer, we would love for you to visit us at a service in person or visit us online at www.redeemermidland.org.